Welcome to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there is anything in this message that you would like to talk about further, please go to our website, www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org. My role, I guess, goes back. Adam was a youngster once, and um, he he came up and he said, I don't necessarily learn real good in formal classrooms, but I hear that you're doing something called Navigate and like to join. And he broke all the boxes because he was a bit older and he was married, and there were lots of complications, but I just knew when I saw this young guy that it was right that we actually say yes. And so I travelled off and on with Adam and, and to a less extent with Holly, but, you know, you're in good hands. There's something about a right squad kind of guy when he's uh, submitted to God and there's a gentleness in his spirit that you know you're in safe hands. And that's, uh, that's amazing because God redeems every one of us and calls us uh, his sons and his daughters. Um, I'm going to just talk about mission, but I, I was here and I, I want to make you hear this. as not a criticism, but it's just interesting. When I looked up there, it was a fair bit of us God, no, loving God and loving people, kind of love people. For me, I just went, as I get older, I can't do that that well. I thought I could do it really well when I was younger, but as I've got older, I realised actually uh, one of my um, mentors, you know, I read just recently he, something he wrote and he said, you know, you know a person needs to realise that they're broken and the broke, their realisation is this, that they can't even transform themselves to doing that. There has to be a step before it. And he said, and, and, and Christian leaders, they need to know this. They're broken and they can't transform anything, their people or the community, because there's a step before that. There's a step here that I just want to pick up a little bit of a thread. And uh, it's, it's how we see and encounter God, but more importantly, how God sees us and encounters us. That's the most important part of mission and being on mission is it is an acknowledgement I can't change myself really unless the Spirit of God actually transforms me. I can cooperate, I can surrender, I can actually get in the way and I can say no to that but I can't transform myself into a new thing unless God's presence, I encounter his presence. Um, and uh, it's an important part of that. So I just want to unpack that a bit. I um, have uh, three kids and they've all got married and so we have six kids now. And uh, uh, then they gave us the pleasure, Mary and I, to have uh, nine grandkids in seven years. Uh, we don't invite them all over to our house very often because that house, you know, just doesn't end well. Um, and I want to be seen a bit like a, grandpa, like a grandpa that I picture of a kind, compassionate kind of grandpa. But when they're all in the house, it's very hard to stay the course. And so, you know, and they're all like their grandmother, very energetic, high, highly spirited and stubborn. And so, you know, it's a, it's a really interesting mix. I love them. I absolutely love them. And I've sort of got Myself, I've dug myself a really big hole and that is when they get a bit complaining and they have to go home, they, they don't want to go. And so I, I have said, hey, why don't I carry you to the car? Why don't we do aeroplanes? 
And when they were about like two months old, it was quite easy. I'd pick them up, yeah, put them over your shoulder. Now they're sevens, five, six, whatever. They're, I don't know. They're just all over the place. They're getting bigger, and I'm getting older. And so the other night, you know, Hannah, who you might you may ne- meet next week, she's quite, you know, she's like. And she was saying something to me. She's only two and a half, three. And I'm going, what? What are you saying? And she's getting a little bit, like, grumpy with me. I'm going, oh, you want an aeroplane ride? Yes, Grandpa. And she puts her hands up and she trusts an old man who's 60 to fling her on his shoulders and we go and nearly run into doors and wardrobes and all those kind of... And nearly trip over the stairs getting to the car. But she and I, just at that moment, there's connection. You know, there's something significant that she, as she trusts and puts out her hand and says, Grandpa, you got me. There's something powerful happens for me as a grandpa. The connection with my grandkid at this point is not just an idea. It's not just a thing I should do, but it's tangibly we are connected. And the squeals of delight and joy that comes in that hopefully only 30-second trip between the house and the car, because I get back in the house and I'm like... (gasps) And now they go, Grandpa, one on each shoulder. And so now I'm going, wow, by the time you're eight, I'm going to have a heart attack and die. But So I'm not God. That's really important this morning. I want you to know that. But there's a... God is the one who, when we we hear this funny word, I grew up in the church, but I've never really, I'm still coming to grips with it, but the word glory of God, I want to see the glory of God. You can hear it preached. I'm going, what is glory? So last Sunday as I was starting preparing, I was thinking, I'll have a look at what glory means. What does the glory of God mean? And it said resplendent. I went, great, that really helps me out. What is resplendent about God? I don't, I'm, I'm not doing so well. And this week, as I've just wrestled with it, I'm going to go to Exodus chapter 34 just for a brief moment. Um, this, is the, this is where when we are going to co-mission with God, I want to go back to an Old Testament character because I figure they're, 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 much, they're so much more fun. They're not, they're not as politically correct back then and they make it much more interesting reading and what they got, were able to get away with. But Moses I, is, is in, in uh, Exodus chapter 34 if you have your Bible uh, and if you don't, that's okay. You won't see it on the screen because I've added this but it's this, it's this point. It's interesting in Moses' history, you know, he got stuffed into a basket and floated down the Nile. I mean, this is the character that probably had a few clues that, you know, can you really trust God on mission? Because his start was, it wasn't looking, it wasn't particularly Christian or God-friendly, or at least the, the Hebrew God-friendly in Egypt when he grew up. And so all his life, he took his, he took his um, on his initiative to actually try and fr- set his people free, transform the Israelites. Didn't go so well, because he hadn't got to really meet and encounter the presence of God. I want to suggest this morning that, that if you haven't encountered the presence of God, then Probably going on mission is a horrible waste of time. And I'm sorry, Adam, if you don't have as many people wanting to sign the mission storm, but let me do, I want to say that, but also this morning, that, that, that Moses is bold enough when God asked him to go on mission with him to release the people of his people, the people of Israel, he goes, hang on a minute. 
How do I know that I can trust you? Who are you really? Show me your glory. That's the, the title of this chapter, chapter 33. It starts there and goes to 34. And verse 18, Moses responded, Then show me your glorious presence. If not, just let us alone. I think most Aussies are a little bit turned off church. There's a Royal Commission. There's a whole lot of stuff that's been said in the name of the glory of God. And some of them are going, I don't actually think that's actually a way that I would want to trust. And I believe mission in the, this generation, in this decade ahead, is much more about how do those who own the name of Jesus actually re-associate and re-understand and re connect to the presence of God and allow God's glory which is so Moses asked right before I say yes to mission with you co-mission show me your glory show me what you got show me your DNA because in those days there's no bible and the, the word on the street is that any god is a pretty mean-spirited thing spirit there's lots of gods and they're all feared because they always seem to get you into trouble and you never you have to always try to please them and appease them so I can understand why Moses is going, when God says, I want you to do something with me to make a big difference to, the, to transformation and freedom for a whole tribe called the tribe of Israel. Go and show me your glory. Pretty smart guy, actually. I mean, and so in, verse, in chapter 34, then God says, all right, I'll do that. In verse 6, he says, the Lord passed in front of Moses calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I want to just say this morning, if you don't get much else out of this, is that, that the, the glory of God, when you encounter the presence of God, it's not in the, just in the power moment, it's in this. When you, when you encounter the DNA of the one who created you and loves you and walks with you and has walked with, with you through all the pain, he claims, you want to know me? I'm compassionate. I'm slow to anger. I'm merciful. I'm grace-filled. And I created you as my children and the enemy took you away and isolated you. But I want to say, Moses, if you want to know me and my glory, then this is what I am. I am a compassionate God. The enemy will tell you that I am something that you're always never going to be get able to reach the stand and you always move away from when you sin. I'm saying I'm here for you for a thousand generations, I want you to be on my shoulders and for me to be holding you through whatever life throws at you. If you're not convinced of that, and Moses went back and forward in that whole chapter 33, and finally he goes, he says to God in, in chapter 33, well, who are you going to send with me to go on this mission? And God says, I'll take care of business but I want you to first be convinced that the one that you're giving your life into is compassionate and grace-filled and slow to anger. I don't know about you, but when I grew up as a missionary kid, that wasn't all the bits that I got from Sunday school. I got a couple, if you're probably reasonably good, you can probably get a little bit of access point, but you don't get all your access till you're actually a missionary. And it's, it's the wrong way around. It's actually, I want to say the good news is 
you don't, God is not sending you to do something to somebody else. He's saying, will you encounter my love, my, my grace? Because you, as you're convinced of that, then let's go and let's see what swaps over from, from you being filled up. Let's just watch how I influence the world around you through this encounter. So if you're not yet convinced, if we go to Matthew 9, just wanted to, um, just this, this is a beautiful thing. Mission wasn't just when Jesus came. It was right through the Old Testament. It was God who actually loved us and connected. And there's lots of words that I could go into. It talks about the fact that, that we are in him and he is in us. Just like sometimes a mum will give up on her kids. He says, even if that's okay, probably dad gives up earlier. But he says in Jeremiah, even if your mum gives up on you, you know that statement, only your mum can love you. Well, even if that happens, I will never give up on you. That's the, the beautiful promise as we talk about thinking about God and the presence. That is actually available. He wants you to encounter that, not just in your head, but in your heart and your spirit and your mind and your body. In, in Matthew chapter 9, um, it's, it's again, if we're looking at mission, and what does it mean to go on mission? Uh, verse 35, and this is uh, Jesus again, and what I want to just point out is Jesus travelled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom. Not just announcing there's a kingdom coming, you better shape up, but actually good news. Why is it good news? Because he says, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I want to just remind us this morning that, you know, if you want to know where the heart of God is, then as we see Jesus going, he says, I want people to encounter with their whole life the power and the love of my glory, the DNA of me. We can get lots of things that we talk about God and it still doesn't get us to encounter his glory. We just know about it in theory and we've never actually encountered it. And I just want to encourage you, as you go, as the church is in transition, this is a great chance to re-go, go back directly to your father and go, we need to encounter this even more tangibly so that we can be a church that's known for those who've encountered the presence and the glory of God not because we've got a clever program to actually try and get you to come to church. And I'm not saying that's how it has been or is, but sometimes church, churches that I visit, we have 95 and churches of Christ around New South Wales, often they've got to the point where they say, what do we have to do to get another program to make somebody come or be more interested? I want to go, it's the up, I believe it's the up, upside down. Go find God, encounter, allow him to actually be convinced you that his DNA is in you and allow that to actually... Go to wherever he leads you around this community. So Jesus goes, his number one thing is if you want to know the DNA of God, compassion. Every time. This is the sense where he goes after and holds us. I was reading about a a Negro, a Negress, I don't know what, how do you say that, but um, a, a, a black woman when she was in, in, in the States when there was slavery around and her grandmother taught her this principle as a little girl because she knew as a grandma that sooner or later she's going to be carted off and taken away from her family and being a, to be a slave. And she used to t- teach her this little thing. What would happen if God's presence wasn't here for three seconds? And the little grand, this little granddaughter as she grew up has gone, Grandma was making this point. 
The seat you're sitting on wouldn't be there if God's presence wasn't here. Your breath would disappear three seconds and you're gone. Every part of life, wherever you go, whatever life throws at you, even if you're going to be a slave, remember your heavenly daddy. His presence is with you. Every breath you breathe is a reminder that your heavenly dad loves you and supplies you with the very essence of what you need. No wonder it's good news because that's why we go, let's actually give this away because in the world we live in, and especially in Sydney, we have a lot of stuff, but we have little of the presence of God. He's here in every breath that everybody, he gives breath to both Christians and non-Christians, but he says, I want you to encounter my, my, my love of you, my stance and posture. I want you to have much more and you can't really get life to the full because you're, you can't solve your own brokenness. My redemption process needs to come. If we'll go to the, this, the, the slide that you've been waiting for, hopefully it's up there somewhere. I'm really good with PowerPoints. Yeah, Perth and I are really uh, working on this together. So, Perth, can you press the button? That would be great at some stage. Um, I want to just talk about uh, from John 12. just want to pick up this theme of, wow, God is amazing. And the older I get, the more convinced that I am that I want to be part of this. Here's this passage. Can I just give you the background briefly? Um, it's getting hot again. Just like Moses in Egypt, Jesus has come. He says some things and he's demonstrated the power and the love of his father. And there's some religious people and the Romans are all getting a little bit tetchy. And as a matter of fact, he, just before this chapter, his disciples say to him, do we really have to go back to near Jerusalem? Because it's, it's, you know, the foreign affairs kind of, you know, when you look at that, go on there, go, is it safe to travel somewhere? It's kind of got a warning in their spirit going, don't go there because it's not going to end well. And so Jesus, as usual, because he's not actually, he's not, he doesn't go by circumstances, he goes by what the Father has asked him to do because he knows he's absolutely loved and this the good news needs to break into humanity in a fresh way. He's had an encounter with Lazarus. Everybody knows that story. This guy has actually gone and faced his own death and gone to, to the grave for three years, uh, three years, three days at least. And in this encounter, Jesus delays coming to his friends, Mary and Martha, and he is angry. It's one of the, those verses in Scripture where if you want to know what God thinks about death and suffering and cancer... Read this, the previous chapter, chapter 12, because here Jesus first gets angry at the way life is. And secondly, he shows his compassion by, it says, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept, Jesus cried. He was so moved. And the picture of Jesus for me is whatever the Father is, it's a bit harder sometimes to understand what his DNA is, but Jesus' DNA says, I make it really clear what my Father's about. And this moment, he's confronted the, the enemy that we all will face, and the enemy is death. And he's actually gone, you know what? I've had enough of this. I'm angry at this. This is not how I meant and created the world to be. I want created a world where there would be no pain and suffering. I'm going to reclaim a bit of it this morning or this afternoon. And he goes to the graveyard, to the tomb, and sealed. And even his followers go, don't do this, don't do this. It's going to smell badly because it's decomposing. 
And Jesus is going, no, I've had enough. Bang. Come out. That gets him into more trouble. Because people like to be religious and safe. They don't, they're not so convinced that God actually calls us to actually break some of the bounds and actually go, what happens if I live courageously, as Adam read at the beginning of the service? What if I actually live and I actually orientate my life to the love and compassion and mercy and grace of God full stop? What will happen? I think there's a small revolution will happen. That's what will happen. But revolutions are resisted by mediocre people. And so in, in, in John 12, it's interesting, it's, it's the, just the week before Easter or week of Easter and we see in the first one here, um, it's interesting, most of the crowd weren't the, the kind of typical religious people but many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead and they were telling others about it and that was the reason why so many went out to meet him because they'd heard about his miraculous sign. I love that. These weren't paid disciples. They weren't ministry people. They weren't on a ministry program. You know what they were doing? They're going, we've heard and seen the love and grace and mercy and compassion of God through Jesus in Lazarus. And we're telling everybody, I don't care if it's cool or not. Probably rephrasing that, but that's, I see that in that passage. They're telling others about it. That was the reason why so many met, went out to meet him. Next slide, please. They're convinced. And even some of the Greeks, some of the people that may be in Penrith and this region that you go, they've got no chance of actually being interested in Jesus. He's Jew, Jesus is a Jew. They're the Greeks that have come from all around the world. They reckon there was five times as much people in Jerusalem that day for the Passover week. And they've come and they go, hey, Philip, can we get an autograph? For Jesus? Can we get an encounter with this? We've heard about his compassion. We've heard about his power. We're really wanting to get to actually encounter that. And so Philip, again on mission, it's not, you're not the answer. What does Philip do? He goes, Andrew, can you come and talk to Jesus? I'm a bit scared to ask him because there's a lot going on. And uh, he, all he does, he just says, they've been hanging around with Jesus for the years ago. And the Greeks have come, which is actually not very kosher. Remember, they're Jewish disciples and these are the Greeks. You get too close and you get the band for it. You know, you can't go to you know, Sabbath school. So it's, it's a bit problematic because these people, they may, they may pass something on. Maybe I'm going to be un, uncool if I actually go to, to Jesus, goes directly to the Greeks. A whole lot of con- isn't, nothing's changed. In Western Sydney, we're getting more and more. You can't speak about that in hospital if you're a nurse or a teacher. Keep it, cut it out and go away. Don't, don't bother us with this amazing good news because we want to be average. And yet, here's the power of the gospel this morning again. The Greeks come, and they're really interested. In the next year or two ahead, you will find people that you don't think maybe are that interested in Jesus. If we live this out, if we actually allow, practice the being in the presence of Jesus, watch out. The people that aren't maybe so kosher will be in with you seeking to find and connect to the compassionate, gracious, slow to anger God. And they first will see it in you and I. Next bit. So um, they ripped me off this morning at some little place on the way down from the Blue Mountains. But what have I got in my hand here? Adam, can you see this? Corn, very good. Um, so corn, anybody know how many kernels of seeds are in, in one cob of corn? Anybody done a Google on this? If you've got... You, 
Well, this one hasn't got it because they've ripped me off a little bit on both ends. But um, let me say, on the average, there's 800 little kernels of corn in every corn cob. So if you have, if you just eat one of these a week, you've probably had enough vegetables for a, you know for a whole week, because that's a lot of you know that's a lot of vegetarian you know, vegetable eating. Here's what I want to say that. This next verse talks about this. This is a dynamic of the kingdom and mission. Firstly, it's not us who actually has the dynamic, but God is, firstly does something in us and to us that gives an, an amazing capacity to change the world. Let's have a look at the verse up here. And Jesus replied, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter his glory. There's a glory word. It's not just some great thing or some brilliance or resplendent thing. It's actually this. This is the moment where God's compassion and grace and mercy shines right now. Isn't that amazing? This next act is actually what we've just done in communion. I tell you the truth, a truth unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. I want to say this morning, when it comes to mission, let's remember that Jesus said, I'm the seed, I'm the DNA of heaven. My father's asking me to go through, to give my life away, to give myself away. And as I'm planted, the power of the resurrection will come. And then I'm, all I'm asking you to do is, as you encounter the seed and the power of Jesus, all I'm asking you is that you will, let's have a look at the next part of the verse, says this hopefully we can go to the next slide those this is the challenge for me for you this morning and for me this week as I prepared this this is it so those who love their life in this world will lose it and those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honour anyone who serves me. Penrith can be like this this morning. Firstly, we need to encounter again the truth of the fact that Jesus gave his life away. The DNA of the kingdom was planted and rebirthed and Satan does not have the power to hold us captive he will bluff us to the next eternity, but he has no right because of the cross. And this morning, whether you're young and old, I just want to say to you, this is the truth. If you want to live life to the full, this is it. Receive the DNA. Actually realise that the Father who loves you, who sends you on mission, is not sending you out just to go and do something to try and so get his favour. You've already got his favour. My grandkids have got my favour. They don't have to earn it. They can be acting up really badly through the... They can have even stuff on the ground around the, the dinner table. It doesn't matter. My love is so light for them. They can't do anything to resist it. I'm going to love them till the day I go to heaven. He's God. He says he's much better than me. He's saying, I've, I've created you. I know you. I know your circumstances. And I've given life. And the enemy that holds the key to your life doesn't need to have it anymore. I've taken the keys off, but you're going to push the door open. You've got to actually make a step because I'm not a manipulating, controlling God that pulls you out and makes you this. It's an offer. It's good news. It's an offer. And people will have a chance to resist it. That's okay. My love is eternal and powerful. And if my people will pray, we'll see kingdom come. 
He wants a great harvest of lives. He wants love to rule and compassion. And he wants to see merciful families established in earth. So I come to, I know this. For 60 years I've lived in mission context. My dad and mum were pioneer missionaries in New Guinea and pastors. We've been through thick and thin. It doesn't give you a safe life. Giving your life away, releasing control to a comfortable life isn't what God's asking. He's saying, I want your whole life. Will you give me permission? Like Moses, he's saying, Moses is going, well, show me your glory. And I'm going, please, if you examine God's glory, you will see that the Father is for you, with you, and has done everything needed for your eternity to be secure and for many others to be secure in him. Father, I ask and offer this this beautiful picture of a compassionate God who says, will you just trust me enough? Will you again this Sunday surrender your right to be right in the centre of your life? Will you just... Whatever's creeped up on you, I, we, I, I ask now, Lord, that you will just help people to release whatever they've grabbed onto to be safe and they will release themselves into your loving hands and arms and body and person that they, we will live fully alive and we will then plant our lives so that others can find the fruit of your glory. We ask for a move of your spirit now. We ask that your presence will just come. And we say no in the strong name of Jesus who gave his life, blood was shed. In this strong name, we say this will be a place where people will find the glory of God. And we pray this together in the strong name of the one who loves us enough to give his life. May we be courageous enough to give our life to a greater story and a greater cause. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there was anything in this message that you would like to talk further about, please go to our website on www.cofcpenrith.org.